The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So, again, hello everyone and welcome to the first Sunday morning talk for 2022. And um, maybe it's a bit silly, the pun, maybe you've heard it, that um, when we say 2022, we could could just as well be saying T-W-O as T-O-O. And maybe there's some idea that in this year, maybe it's a little bit like Groundhog's Day. Maybe we have now a second chance to live 2020 over again. Maybe with uh, the COVID raging, surging, just as we're speaking now around the world. It's a time to reflect a little bit about the world that we live in and the world that we can care in, the world that we can contribute in and make a better place. And maybe there's a way we, which we live 2020, maybe waiting for an end to all the problems of our life. And now we get to do it again, but maybe now with greater realism and greater maybe sense of agency or choice or engagement and, and not just be the passive recipient of life and waiting for someone else to make the world better for us, but to each of us to contribute to that. And so the topic for today is the Four Noble Truths. And uh, for many years now, maybe since we started here at IMC, uh, on the first talks of the year have been on the Four Noble Truths. And this talk today actually marks the 20th year of uh, being here at uh, IMC in Redwood City. Uh, it was uh, the first Sunday in January of uh uh, 20, uh, uh, 2002 that we started here. And uh, the Four Noble Truths are partly a call to engage in our life in a serious way, as if our life matters, as if we're important, and uh, that um, it's valuable and worthy to really experience and see deeply into these four insights called the Four Noble Truths for our own sake and for the sake of the world. That it's so important that some people in the world really get to the bottom of their suffering, really see through it, penetrate it, understand it deeply. And the Four Noble Truths are um, expressions of that deep insight into suffering uh, and there are many ways in which these Four Noble Truths have been expressed, interpreted, adapted. And that's part of the richness of these four simple statements, is that they can be understood, applied in so many rich and important ways. 
And um, so to kind of have a sense of these four and begin working them and understanding them, and but not just for any old purpose, but rather for the purpose of bringing uh, suffering to an end. So these four noble truths, the simplest way of stating them is that uh, there's the noble truth of suffering, there's the noble truth of the arising of suffering, the noble truth of the cessation of suffering, and the noble truth of the way, the practice that leads to the cessation of suffering. And then it's expressed in various ways, but uh, the, what this means, but one of the meanings of uh, common meanings for the second noble truth is that um, craving is the arising, that suffering arises with craving. And um, and uh, with clinging, and the the tremendous value of no longer craving, no longer clinging to anything, and it can be a frightening goal because some people cling because they're they really value and hold on tight to what they think is important. They cling to people and to beliefs and to self. And they feel like, well, if I'm not clinging, then I'll lose that connection. But the paradox of it is that the more we cling, the more limited is our connection to others, the more limited is our understanding, perception of ourselves and the world around us. Clinging dramatically limits our, our, our connection to the world. The more we let go of clinging, uh, the deeper and fuller is our possibility for relatedness, possibility for knowing and understanding ourselves, understanding others, and for the full flow of uh, the warm social social emotions that we can have between people. And why it's not so possible when there's a lot of clinging is that when we cling and crave, um, we're usually clinging to our idea of the thing we're clinging to, the concepts we have, the values, the hopes, the fears, the desires we have around it. And that's a very limited area of what, of the world. And it's very limited. It limits our capacity to perceive and see the world fully. So it might seem that in letting go of clinging, we might be letting go of others, but actually we're letting go of that which limits our connectivity. It limits our ability to see and relate in a rich, full way to this world that we live in. And so, part of the Four Noble Truths is really taking time to stop and look at suffering, being willing to suffer, not for the sake of suffering by any means, but be willing to stop and take an honest look, not run away, escape, try to fix too easily, try to... um, uh, condemn, blame, but really stop and be present for this experience that Buddhists call suffering. Uh, kind of a big word. Some people, it's a turn off this word. It, uh, the mind goes kind of numb, hearing the word too often. But all the different ways of stress, de-stress, uh, despair, sadness, um, discouragement. Um, you know, you can go on the list as much as you wish. Um, but all the ways in which uh, we, the, we get uh, it's heavy or contracted or it's uncomfortable for us to be in our own skin, uh, 
this world of kind of how difficult the world is and how difficult it is to find our way in this world. All those difficulties that are based on the fact that we're clinging to something and craving to something. Craving is the arising of suffering. Craving is the arising of stress, anguish, distress. So we stop for suffering and we stop then also to begin trying to understand our craving, clinging, the attachments we have. And then we try to stop and look for, look and find our way to that place where there is no craving, no clinging, to value it, to appreciate it, to bring it to light so that it's more a part of our life. And then uh, the Eightfold Path, the path, the practices that brings all this to light, brings light and clarity to this to the life, the life we're living. So the Four Noble Truths, uh, they're central, in a sense, to the um, practice of mindfulness. The Buddha's classic teachings on mindfulness, the four foundations for awareness, for mindfulness, is um, begin, ends with the Four Noble Truths, suffering, the arising, the cessation, and the path. And, um, and it's, so it's nice to think of it as not... Well, it's this wonderful four formula, which is useful and applicable, and you know, for beginners, to people who practice a little while, for a long time. It's also um, the deepest capacity to be transformed by these four noble truths. Is really the end of the path. It's really the that comes along. It's the last kind of insight of the uh, of this whole trajectory, path that deepens and matures called the Four Foundations for Mindfulness. And uh, it all begins with uh, the Buddha's instructions to find a quiet place, a little bit of a place removed from your everyday life. And he said, he meant something, meant it literally, but we can also understand it metaphorically for those who can't do this. Um, uh, sit cross-legged with a body erect. Sit upright. And there's something, something very dignified about the upright posture. And that if even we can't do that posture, uh, whatever posture we're in, um, to assume it in a dignified way as if we're allowed to be here, if we're worthy and, and valued people. There's nothing about being self-diminished that... Um, uh, exists in the Buddha's teachings. Uh, we want to let go of selfishness, but not in a way that diminishes us, but actually in a way that, in a sense, enhances us, brings dignity, nobility to this being. So he begins the instructions on the four foundations of mindfulness with um, going to a place, stepping away from our ordinary life, and uh, sitting cross-legged, sitting in a stable way, and uh, sitting erect, and then establishing awareness. Establishing awareness means to be centered in awareness, in our capacity to be present for our lived experience, what's happening in the moment here and now. And then as we do so, that um, we go through a deepening connection to ourselves, and these four foundations for mindfulness involve a deepening connection. First, being centered in our body, uh, 
being connected to our breathing in a deep way, being connected to our activities of our body, the, uh, in, our, in everyday life as we go about our life, to be grounded and connected to our body as we do things, not to be ahead of ourselves, be centered here, be aware of what we're doing when we do it. To be, uh, be centered in the, the basic inner experience, physical experiences that um, involved with the body. And, um, and as we get more centered in the body, to become then more centered in um, the subjective feelings that come in the present moment as we go through our lives. So there's a connectivity to our subjective feelings of pleasant and unpleasant, neither pleasant or unpleasant, a phenomenal rich world uh, that sometimes is not under appreciated just by hearing the words pleasant and unpleasant. But there's, that's just kind of like the, the quality, a quality of all these subjective experiences that we have that come alive as we're more and more present. As the subjective feelings become more, we're centered in it, uh, then we come closer into something more deep inside, and, which is the mind, the state of the mind, the state of quality of our being, quality of our inner life. And uh, we become the custodian of that quality. We start becoming aware of how when there's, uh, when there's greed or hatred, how it diminishes the quality of our inner life, and how when there's non-greed and non-hatred, um, the quality of our inner life becomes better. And, uh, and as we get more familiar with this quality of inner life, we, there's, as we get more and more centered over time, there's feelings that the mind becomes more luminous, more expansive, more light, more open, uh, more uh, uh, harmonized, more unified, less fragmented. And it's a wonderful thing to begin to feel that whereas we get more and more centered here, that uh, so much more of who we are becomes available, including these wonderful states of mind that can open up when we're not distracted, cut up, in um, our preoccupations, our fears, and all these things. Not to diminish, diminish the importance of attending to those, but we don't want to be limited by those. Rather, we want to be awake. And then, uh, and then we come, as we get closer and closer, we start more centered here. And this is why I'm going through this list of the four foundations of mindfulness. It's a movement to find ourselves centered really deeply, not just in our location, but in ourselves. And in this kind of deep center that lets us become aware of the deeper processes, mental processes, um, psychological processes that really lay kind of closer to the center of our experience of who we are, what this life is like for us. And become more acutely aware of ways in which we... um, um, uh, uh, have the hindrances operating, the ways in which we obscure our experience through desire and aversion, to become aware of how we get knotted up in our experiences. We get caught up in them and get knotted. And to be aware of how we identify strongly with experience in a way that also limits how we experience our life by strong identification, strong making them into me, myself, and mine. And as we kind of get more and more centered and stop doing these knotted upness identifications and less of these hindrances, 
Start becoming aware of beautiful qualities of mind, the seven factors of awakening, mindfulness, investigation, uh, wonderful engagement with, with our experience, kind of uh, a- a- energy or effort, joy, tranquility, concentration, a kind of a unification of the mind, and then the seventh, and then equanimity. So all this process is a process of centering and beginning to kind of put down or relax the forces of, cl- of clinging and c- contraction, of craving, enough so we can be very still, very quiet, to be, really begin observing the inconstancy of the present moment, how things change, the changing nature. Things come and they go, experiences are constantly shifting and moving. And to be so centered, it's kind of like a paradox again, to be so centered and kind of kind of like in a still point, an unmoving mind that allows to see everything else moving. And in, in, in the deepest stages, even seeing everything, there's nothing which is not moving. No mind that's not still, uh, or no mind that is still even. But there's a, such a deep stillness that that um, see everything is coming and going. And then to see the Four Noble Truths. At that point, to see it in a very different way than take it as a textbook belief or principles that we memorize and learn, but to see so clearly that when there is stress, when there is de-stress, when there is suffering, it comes with some kind of clinging, of craving, of grasping, something we're doing that is not really needed. And to see the arising of that craving, to not have to struggle with it or question it or, or, um, <clears throat> or try to work with it, but be so kind of aware to just see, oh, there's craving arising and craving passes. There's a rhythm to everything coming and going. And if we get out of the way by not clinging to things, we start seeing that rhythms. Even craving has a rhythm. It comes and it goes, it comes and it goes. We can see it coming. And the more we can see it coming, the more we can see it going. And we see the cessation of it, the ending of it, before it comes again. And then in that space, between the ending of it and the next arising, we can, at some point, we'll see that there's freedom here. There's peace here. It's not a, our suffering is not a fixed thing. Suffering has a rhythm. It comes, it's there for a little while, it passes, it goes. And, uh, and, uh, and now I know there's a possibility of not living with this suffering. To fa- see the rhythm slowing down, starting to discover greater gaps in it, times when the cessation of it lasts for longer periods of time, longer and longer time. And then knowing that you have a practice that allows for that, this whole kind of deepening and opening and lengthening of our freedom and our peace is the Eightfold Path. Uh, Living a life of non-clinging, living a life of non-harming, living a life of freedom. So 
be, to be dedicated to this life, not just to be dedicated to having an insight of the Four Noble Truths, but uh, living a life that follows that insight. And classically, the Eightfold Path is, uh, is follows in the wake of seeing the deep inconstancy and, and, and uh, impermanent nature of craving. A craving comes and goes. And... Um, and uh, and seeing the value of not craving, of not clinging, of not harming, and um, and then wanted to de- being dedicated to a life that expresses that, that lives that a life of non clinging and life of non harming, which is what the eightfold path is. And as we live that life in the fullness of our life in all the different areas of our life, that creates the conditions where this whole process can go deeper and deeper the process of centering ourselves, uh, going into the layers of the body, the feelings, the mind states, to the deeper processes within to discover new uh, uh, dimensions, new layers and levels of the ending of uh, suffering, <clears throat> new dimensions of seeing the functioning of the eight of the Four Noble Truths. And one of the byproducts of all this is to um, have a great love and a great dedication, a great valuing of the practice of mindfulness, the practice of waking up, and how mindfulness itself can be an expression of non-clinging and non-harming. And that's not automatic when people begin um, practicing mindfulness, they tend to bring a lot of baggage with them, a lot of unconscious associations about being a doer, uh, about expectation, um, about uh, accomplishment, about trying to get away from something, fixing something. There can be greed involved in practicing mindfulness. There can be hostility involved in practicing mindfulness. All these things. It's okay as beginners or to have that happen. Um, of course, but as practice deepens and deepens, and we really see the nature of the Four Noble Truths in some clear enough way, we discover that there is a way of being mindful that, uh, that is a manifestation or is an expression or of non-clinging, non-grasping, non-craving, uh, cl- uh, uh, non-hostility, that there's a way of being mindful that is an expression, that really uh, is an expression of our freedom. And what could be better than to live a life that's free, to live in a, where such a central thing is our awareness, the awareness that we bring with us everywhere, whether we're conscious of it or not, the awareness that through which we know this whole world and know ourselves, the medium of the bridge, the medium through which everything is known, everything is, every contact we have with others, with the world, happens through the filter or the medium of being aware. To have that medium uh, be one that's peaceful, calm. To have that medium be a medium which contains no tendency to harm, no tendency to cling. Just aware, open, present, and then from that simple mindfulness, seeing more and more clearly uh, 
suffering, how suffering arises with craving, and how with the cessation of craving, there's a cessation of that suffering. And yes, there's a way of living a life that comes from this cessation. And that way of living the life is expressed in the uh, Eight Noble Eightfold Path. Initially, the Eightfold Path are practices people do, but as this whole process of centering and being free becomes stronger, the Eightfold Path is not something you have to adopt, not something you have to practice, but rather it's a description of how you'll live if you live without clinging, if you live harmlessly in this world, then naturally you'll live this way. So, four noble truths. Many different ways of applying it, understanding it, many different interpretations for it. You've probably heard me give different interpretations and other teachers do different ones. They're all part of this wonderful, rich way in which we're exploring, investigating, <clears throat> uh, renewing the value of uh, a life of freedom, finding a life of freedom in this world of ours. And it's definitely worthwhile uh, to spend a year, this year, frequently revisiting the Four Noble Truths um, and learning how to be centered in that investigation the more centered, the more present you can be, the richer is the opening that the Four Noble Truths provide. So I hope that um, the teachings that we do here at IMC for this coming year are supportive for you. I hope that there'll be more opportunities for us this coming year to meet in community and, and be connected to each other in richer and more valuable ways. And um, and uh, I hope that your own practice uh, benefits you and benefits the world. So thank you for being part of all this and being part of this community and listening and and um, I value it very much. Thank you all.